Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you today. If you're excited to be at church today, can you put your hands together one more time for Jesus, everybody in the room. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Rhett. I have the honor, and it really is the honor and the privilege of my life to get to be the lead pastor here at what I believe, I'm a little biased, the greatest church on the planet, One Life Church. And I am so excited today. We're continuing our series, The Best Summer Ever. But before we jump into that, can we take a moment and welcome our online church family right now? Come on, everybody at the Nippa Civic Center, throw your hands together. Welcome our family who is joining us online. And so we are live, live. What does that mean? It means that you can go right now to olc.church, click on the button there on the very first page, or you can go to live.olc.church and watch our services at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. So if you're out camping today, wherever you might be today, we just want to say you are our family. We love you, and uh, we cannot wait to see you real soon. All right, you guys, we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means, hey, guys, we like to take notes. So I want I encourage you to go to olc.church if you haven't already done so. Swipe down. There's a button that says message notes. If you're joining us online today, there is a button there on the screen that says notes and you have the ability to follow along. Why do we do message notes? Everyone, we do message notes because we not only want to inspire you and encourage you because that is a part of what we've come to do today, but we also want to put into your hands some practical tools that you could take and apply in your life Monday through Saturday. And I'm telling you, today's word has the power to change your life. Now, I know that is like a stereotypical thing pastors say, but I honestly want you to know this. Today's word that I received from a pastor I'm about to introduce to you spoke to me uh, in such a powerful way, and I know it will speak to you, and I cannot wait for you to receive this word today from God. And um, I want to be honest with you. A lot, Some of you have asked, Pastor, when are you going to preach again? That day's coming, I promise, okay? But uh, I, I preach a lot of times throughout the year, but July affords me the opportunity because uh, I am a man in authority, but I'm under authority. What does that mean? It means I have men of God who pastor other churches in my life. Life, who oversee my life spiritually and financially, and uh, they always tell me a part uh, during this part of the year to kind of just take take a little bit of break and give some other people an opportunity to speak to allow myself some time to be refreshed and filled up. And I'm just so thankful that over the past couple of weeks I've had the opportunity to do that. Last week you heard from one of our overseers, Pastor Justin Bradshaw from Church of the Highlands. Today you're going to hear from Pastor Trip Healy, who pastors an incredible church alongside his wife Rebecca Healy, who is with us today. They pastor a church called Ridge Church. You guys get ready for this, all right? In Wetumpka, Alabama, everybody. Is there anybody in the room or online today who has ever heard of Wetumpka, Alabama before the HGTV, Aaron and Ben Napier, home takeover TV show? Anybody? Well, they live right in the center in the heart of the city that is Wetumpka. And if you've ever watched the HGTV show that just came out and they've renovated this whole town, that is the town that they live in and get to love and get to serve. And um, I want you to know, not only is it cool that they're here today, but I need you to understand something, church, that who you're hearing from today isn't only a phenomenal pastor and a a phenomenal communicator. What he is to me is he is a dear friend and brother in Christ. In fact, 
Uh, I could go so far as to say that um, if it wasn't for Pastor Tripp and his wife Rebecca in Ridge Church, uh, my wife and I would have probably never moved to Idaho to plant this church uh, in September the 16th of 2018. Um, In fact, when God began to download in my heart this dream and desire to plant a church and we were praying through places and we began to share this vision with people in our lives, Pastor Tripp was among the first people to know And a couple years went by, and the common theme came from his, and this is wisdom. He would always tell me, he's like, Rhett, I'm telling you, if you don't do this, you will regret it for the rest of your life. And can I tell you, I am so thankful that I listened to his advice and his wisdom, because it has become, in my heart, I don't know about you, but for me, this this church has become the greatest joy and the greatest privilege of my life to get to do life with you and to serve alongside you. And I'm just saying, none of that would have happened if it wouldn't have been for the pastor you're about to hear from today. And so I am so thankful. In One Life Church, I could go on and tell you story after story. In fact, as a church planner, can I just be honest with you for a second? There's no way you can plan a church without resources. And what I'm saying about resources, I'm talking finances, okay? And so Pastor Tripp and Rebecca and Rich Church, before we moved, they wrote us a big honking check. You know what a big honking check is? It's the kind of I love you for life check. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so we, we physically wouldn't be here, spiritually wouldn't be here, but financially it would have been impossible for us to make it happen. But because of men and women of God who believed in us and the dream that God put in our heart, we took a step and we've just got incredible support. And so I just want you to know today, it is an honor for me to stand on this platform to introduce to you this man of God all the way from Wetumpka, Alabama. And what I would love for us to do, because we are a church of honor, we honor people, I would love to encourage every single one of you to stand to your feet, throw your hands together, and welcome Pastor Trip Healy from Ridge Church, Wetumpka, Alabama. Come on, let them know how much you love them. Well, that's quite the introduction. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much of that's true, but let me just say this. Let me just say this. Um, I, I, it's an honor for me to be here. I got to be here about a year and a half ago, um, right before uh, the shutdown. You know what I'm talking about, the shutdown. Um, we didn't know it was coming, um, but we were here and really got to celebrate about a year with you guys. It was right after, um, you know, this church had been around for about a year. And, you know, so for me to get to come back and to be here and to watch what's, what's taking place here, I mean, it, it, this is a hard work. It just is. They're not from Boise, Idaho. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but they're not from around here. They're from Texas and from Florida and from Alabama. They're from, you know, that's all southeast. I don't know if you, like, geographically, this is... This is this is a big step just for them to come and do this. And let me just say this. This is not just something that, that Pastor Rhett did. This is something that his family Amen. did. And so you have an, an amazing pastor, but also pastor's wife in Miss Linda over here. I'm, you can clap all you want for Rhett, but I, I want you to give it up for Linda. Yeah. And then let me just say, let me say this. Max, their son, I don't know if you know this, but Max comes and he comes early with Rhett and he sets everything up and then he works and serves and he's a kid and he works in kids ministry. It's unbelievable. I mean, their whole, this is a family investment. And so I I just would encourage you to constantly encourage him. If there's, if there is um, any, anywhere that, that it feels lonely, it is being a pastor of a, of a growing church. It just is. There, there's, I guess everybody just kind of assumes 
that, you know, well, you're connected with everybody, you don't have time, and, you know, and so you just never think about, we don't mind sending things when we're bothered, but, but we forget kind of the, the, the grateful, you know, kind of attitude as well and sharing that. And that's important. I just want to encourage you, you know, if you ever think about it, send a note, send a text. You know, if you, if you don't have their contact info, just meet me after the service and I'll give you all the details. <laughs> I'll come show you where, where they live. And I'm just telling you, they, they've got time for that. And, and it is helpful. I texted a, a guy this morning who is a good, dear friend of mine, and I literally wrote him and told him, I said, I just want to remind you what your friendship means to me, because you're one of very few people who actually check on me and encourage me. And so I just thank you for that. I mean, I literally wrote him this morning to tell him that. And he's just, you know, he just is a guy who doesn't mind checking on me. And I, I really appreciate that. And so I just, I, I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys. Um, we love you guys. My wife, Rebecca, is with me. Praise the Lord. She thought about dipping this service, you know, since she came to the first, and she has to listen to me. And so I would have really hazed her had she actually left. Um, but we do have six kids as well. They are at home. And yes, we planted a church with all kinds of kids in tow, and we let people live in our house. And matter of fact, Rhett and Linda and Max lived in our house for a couple of different seasons. There were two different, one on the way to Florida and one coming back from Florida. And so we, we, we're just that kind of family. And so we love to come visit other families as well, even church families. And so we very much feel a connection with you guys, even though you don't know us. And so we, we sent out Rhett and Linda from our church, but we feel like we are very much a part of this as well. So it's not just them doing the thing. Like we talk about One Life Church all the time. And so we're just excited uh, to, to get to be here, really are. Um, so a lot has happened since I was here last time. And um, I, I thought it had been so long because this last year, let's be honest, last year and a half has been long. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it hasn't, but it feels like it has, you know, and, and I, he told me that I was here, yeah, just a couple of weeks before the shutdown, and I was like, I cannot be right, are you sure? Like, it feels like it was so long ago, but it, but it was true, and so a lot has happened. I mean, there have been all kinds of things, and so let me just start this way today. There are some things, whether we're from, you know, Wetumpka or Boise, um, that are just common to the human experience, you know, and there's a lot of things that fall into this category, but let me just give you two broad categories. When it comes to things that happen in our lives, there are some things that just are outside of our control. I mean, that's just a, an obvious statement. There are some things that happen to us that we still have to contend with and deal with that impact our lives. A lot, lot that happens around the world that we, we never notice, you know, we don't feel the, the impact. But there are some things way outside of our control, a lot of things that impact us and we notice it. I mean, this shutdown, you know, businesses started closing and churches started closing and then reopening back up and schools. And then we had to make the decision, do I send my kid, you know, back to school? And, you know, should I, should I homeschool my kid or just keep them out? And we kind of like pretended to homeschool for like a brief period. I'll just be real honest with you. And then we were just like, nah, nah, long summer. Here we go. We, we'll just, they're, they're in a private school and we're just like, we'll just let them repeat, you know, like they can just do that great again because they, they don't know their math facts. That's okay. Hey, they got time. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like it was, it, you know, and everybody dealt with that differently. And then some people were so good at it and they were just like homeschool phenomenal. And they continued to do that. And, um, you know, and then, 
unbelievable, you know, unemployment over the last period of time, you know, a rise in all kinds of division and, you know, racism and things that we've been dealing with and, you know, a crazy electoral cycle this last time. I mean, just really crazy. And some things we're still contending with today. I mean, even the wildfire, you know, hey, it's wildfire season. Who has a wildfire season? And y'all are like, we do. What are you talking about? We don't know about a wildfire season, okay? We don't say that. You know, those are, that, that's crazy. And then walking out, I'll be honest with you, it is hot here, but it ain't Alabama hot. And, and and, and they'll tell you the temperature is less, but I'm telling you, it feels like the jungle. Like, it, it is so humid, and it is ridiculous. But I got up this morning, and, and it actually, you know, I know it's going to be like a million degrees this afternoon, but this morning it was like 67, and no humidity, and I walked outside, and it felt good. I was like, oh, I kind of like that. And then I look at the sunrise through the smoke, you know. <laughs> And it was actually really pretty. I was like, I'm living in a massive cloud, you know. It, but it was really nice, you know. But you're, you're still having to contend with that. And you're, you're seeing the, the impact. And there's nothing you can do about it. And then there's the other side of the coin. And there's things that are within our control that we have to deal with as well. And we, we don't like to admit this one. But there's, you know, the, these are the things that we... We could probably do something about the things that are based on our decisions, you know, that we make or, you know, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And these can be good or, good or bad things, but there's just things that we can control, you know, whether or not we're going to send our kids back to school or how we're going to homeschool or whether or not we're going to work on our marriage, you know, during this season. You know, that, that's what happened to a lot of us. And even still, you know, we hadn't decided whether or not we're going to go back to work or, you know, maybe even go back to church. Hello, online. Love you. <laughs> We've had to learn how to be, you know, an online, you know, type of country in, in so many ways, really world. And so, I mean, we do a lot of our meetings, you know, Zoom meetings now. We do that online and it's, it's we're just figuring things out, but there's a lot of that, that that really hinges on how you respond to it. And it and it and it's your decisions and it's kind of, you know, how am I going to handle my kids? My kids left the home and I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm going to let them back in the home because I finally got them out of the home and yet they're struggling. And, it, you know, all of those are things that we've got to deal with that are really within our control. Now, I didn't come here and fly, you know, really just about all the way across the country, it feels like so far. Um, you know, I remember thinking initially, I was like, I didn't realize Idaho was actually this far. I don't know if you know that, but people in Alabama aren't real good with the geographies. And so, you know, we've had people who were like, oh, I thought it was, you know, up just straight up north. They were thinking Iowa, you know, it was like, because it, it, to them, it's just another, you know, it's just the name of a state. They don't think in terms of where it is, but it, it, it's a long way. And, and I didn't come here to just remind us all of the stuff, of the, the junk that we have to deal with and, and live with and some of those bad decisions. That's not why I'm here. I flew all the way across the country to remind you of this, that you've not been defeated. Come on. Now, that's not just a, a random, you know, cute little tweetable statement. That's based on a lot of years of experience in learning and growth and really a lot of hard knocks to actually be able to say you've not been defeated. To say, you know, that, that, that you've got breath in your lungs. To, to really say, if you're not dead, then you haven't lost. In other words, praise God, you're here this morning and you're breathing. And so guess what? You, you're alive and so the game's not over. You haven't lost yet. 
Okay? And I'm just speaking generally here. This isn't even just a Christian thing at this point. This is like human experience. And we're all good at this. We all know this is true because we all, you know, you get to the beginning of the year and what do you do? It's like, oh, opportunities. You know, I, there's an opportunity for me to fix some things. I can change some things. Yes, I spent the last 365 days eating a sleeve of Oreos every single night with a glass of milk. And I loved every minute of it, but that's probably not going to get me to my next 10 years. And so I think I'll make some changes. And that's the beauty of the human experience. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you can work on some things. And, we're, and we like doing it. We set goals for ourselves. We, you know, transition. We try some things. We, we you know, kind of trial and error, experience some other things. It's like, maybe I can do something about that. We love to fix problems. We, we love problem solving even when it comes to our lives. And so, and so that's true. And this isn't just for Christians. This is for, for all of us. But when it comes to being a Christian, it's even better than that. Because see, as a believer, here's the difference. As a believer, we actually believe that even in death, we haven't lost. And that, I mean, that's kind of the, the crazy thought when it comes to following Jesus is we actually believe that even in death, that we still are not defeated. Because, why? Well, because we, we get to receive the victory and live in light of the victory that Jesus accomplished for us. Something that we couldn't do, but Jesus has already gone before us. This is what we believe. If you are a Christian, then this is what you believe, is that Jesus has gone before you and has paved the way, and that he has won the victory over sin, over death, over the grave. And so even in death, we have the victory. If you're not, praise God for that. But then you're thinking, but, but, and this is even where Christians stumble with this. And, and some, you know, maybe if you're not a Christian, Maybe this is kind of what you're thinking. It's like, yeah, but you don't always live like that. And I think this is where we have the hang-up. You see, there's actually, there, there's a massive difference between believing that we're undefeated and living like it. I mean, you see this all the time. It's why when, you know, we went through a very difficult season and all kinds of upheaval around the country and all the division and, you know, the, the kind of both sides of the aisle and da-da-da, you know, every issue known to man. It's like it all came up last year. Murder hornets, you know, COVID-19. I mean, it's like everything came up all at once. Should I wear a mask? Should I not? Everything was like a spiritual issue all of a sudden. It was unbelievable. Well, I'm going to go to that concert anyway. You can't keep me. It's like uh, unbelievable. But the truth is, it, it just revealed something about the church in my mind. Because it's like, I would look around at people and think, wait a minute. You, you already know the end of the story. Like it gets better. Like, I know things aren't great now. Well, that's because there's sin and there's some things that they don't believe that you do believe. And so that's why there's division and difference. And yet you, you, you have forgotten that we can live in light of this victory that we have, that Jesus has done something. You know how the story ends. The problem is, what do we do in the now? You see, because of Jesus, we are undefeated. And we know that. It's like, yeah, I believe that. But we have to choose to live an undefeated life. It's like, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that, but then you've got to wake up every day and actually make the decision. It doesn't just like come very naturally, does it? I don't know who in here is kind of like, you know, there's always that analogy, glass half full or glass half empty. And then there's some of us who are like, the glass is just 
full. Like, it just has this much in it. I'm, uh, and that's kind of me. Like, I'm the realist, you know? It's like, I don't, like, good or bad. I just know there's this much in the glass. Like, that's all I know. And I'm okay with that. You know, and it could affect me the wrong way. And I need to do something about it. And there's some problem. I could probably put a little more in there. But there may be times where I need to drink a little bit more out of there, you know? I, that's just who I am. You know, I don't know if you find yourself in that, in that role sometimes. So sometimes I, I can be a little cynical because I look around at what's going on in the world and I kind of look at it and I think, oh, and that's just par for the course. Like, that's just, that's sin. That's the way things are going to look right now. But I know the end of the story. And so I don't get real uptight or like where I feel like I've got to like, you know, break everybody's will into, you know, understanding or believing something that I believe because really, you know, it's just, it's going to be, a, in the end, it's, it's going to work itself out. Like, that's kind of how I am. It's like Jesus has done the deal. Like, it's over. The game, you know, I, I want people to, to fall in line with that. I mean, and so there's some things that we've got to get, not just those of you who are not Christians, but even those of you who are. There is part of this that we have got to get right when it comes to living a life of victory. You see, living the life, this is why, living the life that God has designed for us, to live, it begins right here yeah. in the battle for your mind. Did you know that? And, and I, I say that um, in all seriousness. Like, this is a big deal. And, and I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that I continue to... Uh, th this was actually... What I'm, what I'm talking about today is actually from a series that I, that I talked about at the very beginning of the year, coming out of 2021... When um, we were all talking about how bad 2020 or 2020, how bad 2020 was, and like it, like it had defeated us, and I, I, was, I was just thinking, no, 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 we haven't been defeated. Like it, it was just a year. I mean, was it? I mean, yeah, some crazy stuff happened, but it was just. I mean, it was just another year. What do you expect? Like some some yucky stuff happened, but that's that's the nature of of, of a broken world, and so. I really wanted people to see, you can actually live this life in victory, but, but it's going to begin right here. It's not just what you believe, it's how you choose to live, and how you choose to live is often, is often affected by what, kind of what sinks into your mind, the things you're processing, the things you're thinking about, because it alters your perspective, it alters your, your response to things, because it begins to then trickle down into your heart. You know how this works. And, it, and, and things that, that you once believed were true, you now believe they aren't true. And things you, you were certain were not true, now you believe they are. And you're just confident in that. Now, and it's like, why? It's because you began to process differently. There was something that changed in the way that you viewed things, in the way that you looked at things. And so that, that's... I want us to... To consider this today, this, this battlefield for our mind, that this is really where things are taking place. And, and let me just show you, all the way back, very beginning of God's big story, back at Genesis 3. All the way back to Genesis 3. And this is, this will be, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've probably heard this before. You've heard some reference to this. You know, maybe some of these verses you've got memorized, but you certainly have heard the story to some degree. And I want you to hear this, though, with fresh ears today. Okay, so let's listen to this story. All the way back at the beginning of things, this is how it played out. Now, the snake, the serpent, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Great. He said to the woman, 
Did God really say? Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. Which, if you've read the story before, then you know it's like, well, that's not what he said. I mean, he did say you can't eat this one, but he, notice that, and this is what you've got to see, because sometimes when you, you read ahead when you already have heard the story before, and so here's what I want you to see, is, is kind of the attitude or the tone that this, that this question sort of comes out in. You know, think, think about this. You know, it's like, did, did God really say that? Did he really, I mean, you know, let's, let's add a little inflection. Did, did he really say that? Did he really say you can't eat from any tree? Which, you know, he, he knew better. This enemy knew better. And the woman said to the snake, you know, maybe her first mistake was just speaking to a snake. <laughs> we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Come on now, it's not that bad. No, yeah, we can eat tree. He didn't say all that. But, but he did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Yeah, I mean, that, that part's there. And listen to the response. No, 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 no. He doesn't go back and say, oh, I apologize. I didn't have that right. He's just like, no, no, no. You'll, you'll certainly not die. You, you'll not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Like, that's why. Well, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, we're going to come back and, and talk about this, was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. They felt shame. This serpent, who we believe was really just Satan personified based on some things that God says to him in this story, was, was not coming out and, and just trying to, you know, manipulate or twist her into just doing something immediately. What, what, what was it he was attempting to do? He was simply attempting to get her to, to doubt something. That's really what was happening. It's just, did, did, I, mean, I mean, this happens all the time. You know, did he really say that? Did he, did he really? Are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, you, has that ever happened to you in a relationship? You know, maybe it's somebody who, you know, you're, you're just confident in. No, they're, they're, they, no they, they would never do that to me. Like, I'm telling you, like, they, they love me. They love our staff. They love our church. They, they, they wouldn't do that. And they, but then somebody comes along and, and they just, are you sure, though? I mean, are you sure about that? Like, are you sure they didn't say this about you? Because, I mean, here's kind of their past. And immediately, what do you do? Even if you feel like you knew better, you begin to have a little doubt. What, 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 what's really happening? A seed of doubt gets planted there. You see, the serpent planted a seed of doubt in Eve's mind. That's what was happening. He didn't go along and say, let me just twist your arm or take the fruit and like put it in her hand and say, eat this, woman. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just, let me just... Let me just start right here and get you to doubt just a little bit because here's the thing. We, we're not given a real timeline here. I mean, that's really one of the most confusing things about these, you know, kind of creation narratives that we have um, is there's no real good time frame. And so who knows how long it was before, you know, Eve actually acted on this information. You know, it could have been a few days, maybe, maybe a few hours, maybe, but maybe it was a few weeks, a few months. 
And, and, and there's this seed of doubt, though, that's been planted there. And so I just wonder, you know, if she's, if she's just kind of walking along now, doing her regular everyday chores, but now she just kind of notices that tree more often, you know? It's just, I didn't even notice it before. This is what advertisers do. They're so good at, and they strategically put even billboards. It's like, how, how dumb do we have to be to know that billboards are still like manipulating us? I mean, you know, ads on Facebook, it's amazing what all we, we can, conv- you know, we forget. And, and the thing is, we know like that's what they're doing and we do it anyway. We just let them own us. But it's because just those multiple impressions cause us to eventually act on it, and that's all that happened here. Whether it was a few hours, days, weeks, or months, here's what happened. Eventually, Eve simply acted according to what her mind had already been thinking about all along. You see what I'm saying? She just finally did what she had been thinking about. It may not have been immediate. It may not have been, no, 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 that just can't be true. Uh, But I don't know, maybe it is. I mean, the tree, it does, it is nice. I mean, we've had a lot of good fruit. Matter of fact, we've got plenty of fruit. We've got all that we need, but that is, uh, that's unique. Like, uh, we, we're, we can't touch that fruit. I don't understand. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe God's really not faithful. <laughs> maybe he's really not who I thought he was. Maybe he's really not looking out for us. Maybe he's not letting us in on something. And so there's that little bit of doubt that has crept in. And eventually what happened is that seed of doubt planted itself in her heart, caused her to act on it later, at some point. And this is true for you and me as well. Eventually, we begin to act on the things that we've been chewing on. Isn't that true? It's why internet pornography is such a big deal, because the more you look at it, the more you want to look at it, and the more you eventually will act on it, I mean, that's the danger in anything like that, just associating ourselves and being around certain things or certain groups of people or you know, certain, um, certain streams of thought. The more you, you fix yourself and fix your mind on those things, eventually it gets into your heart and you act on it. I mean, that's just, that's how we're geared. We know this. It's like we forget though when it comes to our relationship with our heavenly father. And yet, this is the, let me just ask you, I mean, what, we'll just pause for just a second. What, what, what seed of doubt has the enemy planted in your mind? I mean, what, what are you kind of chewing on? You haven't acted on it yet, but you've been thinking about it. This is what leads people into an affair. They just toy with the idea. It's just banter. It's just, you know, it's just, just kind of teasing. You know, they're just kidding around, or they, you know, are willing to you know, ride in the same car together from work because, well, it's more convenient or, you know, we, we um, you know, we're, we're at that conference together and it was vacation. My family couldn't come. And so like, I, you know, I hadn't, I've never even thought about that before, but now I'm all of a sudden like that seed was planted and now I'm kind of thinking about it. And eventually, eventually, if you don't do something about it, you're going to act on it. I mean, this happens all the time. It happens to people in our position. That's why you see people fall, because there's just something there. They've been, a, a, a seed got planted, and they didn't do something about it. They didn't eliminate it, and, and Satan subtly won the battle for their mind and ultimately won the battle for their heart, and it turned into action. And, and, and for, for me, I mean, let me just suggest for you, maybe, um, maybe it's a, 
a seed of like, uh, I can't. You know, maybe it's the idea is like, I just can't. Like, I can't do that. I can't accomplish this. I can't fix this. I'm not going to be better. I don't think I can overcome this. I'm, I'm just, I am who I am. I am my addiction. I am my problem. I am my pain. I am my past. I am my brokenness. Maybe that's some of the seeds that have been planted in your mind and you've been dwelling on it now for a while and it's actually kind of become who you are because you just assume that it's true. There was a point in your life where you believed it wasn't and now you believe that maybe it is because that seed has been so planted there and it's so rooted that it's made its way into your heart and now you're buying it. I mean, maybe it's some like, for, for me, I'll just be real honest with you. This, this happen, um, happens to pastors all the time, but even personally for me, uh, it was really just seeds of um, you're not enough. You're not doing a good job. And, and it was really um, just kind of slow little, you know, just tiny little seeds that would get dumped into my, my brain. You know, somebody would say something, make a comment, send an email, you know, I, I, we would overhear something. Somebody would come to say, oh, everybody's blah, 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 blah. Oh, just everybody's leaving. And it always means it's like two people. But everybody says this and everybody, and it's like, really, everybody? But then you kind of think, well, maybe it is everybody. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe I am the problem. And, you know, and, and it's never just like that conscious, conscious like, oh, I'm really, but it's more just like, it's just kind of pervasive. It's there. It's kind of floating in the background. And then you start piling all all of those things together, not doing something with it. And eventually I got to a place where I, I wouldn't quit. And I mean, my wife will tell you, like legitimately I was going to walk away because I was at the end of myself. I was like, I cannot, there's no way I'm going to do this for the next 30 years of my life. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to deal with this. This hurts. It is painful. And, and I am not cut out for this. I mean, that, I, I was convinced I mean, we planted the church. I don't think I was convinced of that when we planted the church. I was convinced of something else, that God was going to use me in a mighty way. And yet, how did I get there? Well, there was that seed of doubt. And do you know why I'm actually still in ministry now after 20 years? It's like, well, why are you here? Well, it's because, that I, I, it's because I allowed a simple seed of assurance to be planted to contend with that seed of doubt. Now, let, let me tell you what this looks like, because that, again, that just kind of sounds like psychobabble. For the Christian, a seed of assurance is, is kind of like preach it till you believe it kind of stuff. Things that you know are true, and it can be the simplest of statements, but it's, it, it's, but it's something that you believe is true. And unless you dwell on that, as often as you dwell on that seed of doubt then you're going to eventually be overcome. And yet you've been given the victory. Why would we do that? And so for me, it was just knowing. It, it was, it, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. There was no, you know, the skies opened and there was a revelation and, and all of the scriptures, you know, I was enlightened and everything. I knew every answer to every question and I had no more doubt. It wasn't like that. Boy, that'd be awesome. Because I still have some really tough questions that I'm going to ask on the other side of the grave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had the same questions. But there was a simple seed of assurance, and it was this, that Jesus really is who he says he is. 
and that he has already won the victory. That was it. I know it's nothing brand new. It's not unbelievable, but I'm telling you it's believable because I decided to tell myself that instead. In other words, it was, well, I'll just stick it out because like I've, now I've got all this experience. I might as well, you know, continue doing this or, oh, I'm now, I'm suddenly so confident in myself that I think I can do this. I can push through. That is not what's going to do it. That's what the world wants to tell you. I mean, that, you know, and there's an element of that, you know, just being confident and getting up every day and say, I am good enough. I'm smart enough and doggone it. People like me. That's great. That's great, but at the end of the day, you're going to mess up again, and you're going to stop believing that eventually, and it's because of imperfection, and as long as you're trying to bank your, all of your assurance and your confidence on an imperfect system, world, even yourself, it will fall flat eventually, and so instead, my assurance, my confidence is simply in this, that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, And that he has already defeated sin, death, the grave. And so I can live in light of that victory, period. Like that's as good as it gets. So this was Eve's struggle. And I think that's eventually what happened. She just acted on what she, you know, that doubt that was in her mind. Nobody, you know, put a fruit, you know, piece of fruit in her hand, a pomegranate, you know, whatever it was. That's what always comes to my mind is this big, massive pomegranate. I I don't know why. Just sounds really good. So God speaks to Adam and he says, this is what's about to happen to you. Here are the consequences of what's happened. And he didn't end the story there. He didn't say, well, that's it, guys. Pulling the plug on this one. Going to restart the matrix, you know, and put y'all back in it. And let's see if we can't get a better result. That's not what he did. He said, here's, here's the consequence, Adam. Here's Eve. Here's the consequence. And then he looked at the serpent and this is what he said. Look at this. And you, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. He, this offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Which is a weird way to say something like this. Your offspring, in other words, and, and not like Adam and Eve's, you know, kids. You know, this isn't like a Cain and Abel and Seth kind of thing. This, this is in the line of Adam and Eve, who we now know is Jesus. When he shows up, he is going to, while, while you're trying to fight against him and contend with him, you're going to nip at his heel. In other words, it's not going to be a pretty picture. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be fixed overnight. It's not going to just all of a sudden make everything better and and everything's perfect now. Instead, there is going to be a nasty battle, but at the end of the day, while you're nipping at his heels, he's going to crush your head and you will be defeated and there will be no victory for you, Satan. Instead, Jesus will be given the victory, and that victory will then be applied to you and to me. That's what he was saying in this. Like, well, how'd you get all that? Well, because I've read the rest of the story. It's it's like looking back and saying, oh, that's what that was about. You know, I, I see where this is going. I see what Jesus has already accomplished. And so now I can look back and go, well, so that's that must be what God was speaking about there. And, and you and I get to live in light of that. And then thousands of years later, a guy named Paul shows up on the scene. And he was ruthless 
trying to stamp out this Christian movement, this, this really what they called people of the way. That's what they called it. They weren't called Christians yet. People of the way. And, and it was such an offense to him because he was a Pharisee. He was like cream of the crop. He was very well educated. He knew all of the scriptures inside and out. Probably had a vast majority of the Torah memorized as most good Hebrews, Hebrew boys did. And he knew the game. And so he literally was imprisoning Christians and putting them to death and going in and taking kids and families, like everybody. He wanted to annihilate this movement. And then he does this complete 180. It's like, what happened? Well, something, something got planted in his mind. Well, what in the world happened? He had an encounter with Jesus. Period. Like, it wasn't like all of a sudden, I mean, this is the way he himself wrote himself into the story and told about this experience. And he said, this was like, a, like an encounter, a moment in time when I encountered Jesus and I still had every question in the world and there were things I still doubted because those seeds are planted there and man, they're hard to overcome. But, but all of a sudden there's this new seed and it was simply this, that Jesus was who he said he was. That was it. That was the only message that changed his world. And I mean, it changed his world. And he began going out and doing just the opposite and planting churches and traveling around. And then he would write to encourage these Christians and you and me. And listen to the way he, listen to the way he describes this. Let me just read off the screen. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. And you may have this memorized. This is one of those that you may just have kind of ingrained if you ever went to vacation Bible school. This, this was a good one. But thanks be to God, exclamation point. In other words, all the attention is on him and what he has done. Not, whew, I figured this out. Thanks be to God. Why? He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord. It's like, well, that's just, that's so elementary. Yeah. So elementary that it doesn't fix itself in our mind because we don't think it's really that essential, that important. We, we, we would say we do, but we don't let it root and cause us to act on that assumption, that belief that Jesus really is who he said he is, that that is who he is. He is the God of the universe. He is our co-heir. He is the one who came and was sent and came and then lived a perfect life and gave himself and won the victory. And, and it has been applied to you and me. You see, Jesus' victory has become our victory. That, that's the difference. And, and there's something in that that's so simple but so profound. And yet Christians don't live in light of this all the time. This happens all the time. And it's because there's, there's so many other seeds of doubt, especially in today's world. It's like we look around and we think, this is crazy. What is happening? How could God allow this? And we're hearing it now, you know, especially with the power of the internet and everything that's, that's available to us. And I'm telling you, it, like, again, I'm not the, you know, glass half full kind of guy. I'm just like, it is this, okay? And so when it comes to this stuff, I have all of the same questions and doubts. And I think those things, and I don't think, you know, on this side of heaven, those things are going to be answered. But I'm okay. Why am I okay with that then? Well, it's because I believe this fundamentally is true. 
That's why. And so I've gotten this part out of the way. Christians, you need to get this part dealt with. Because this is where it begins for you. If you're struggling in certain areas of your life, and it's because, well, I just can't get over this, or I just can't think, you know, why would God? It's like, great, I get all that. But I'm just telling you, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you really believe he is who he says he is? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I There's nothing else that really matters. We can argue till we're blue in the face about stuff. You know, it's like, why this? And well, I don't know about the whole Adam and Eve and first people. And what about evolution? And so, but it's like, that, getting answers to those questions is not going to make you happy. It is not going to make you believe something more. You have to settle this. It's like, what do you believe about Jesus? Who is he to you? Because when you settle that and you plant that seed in your mind, let me, let me tell you how this happens. Um, have you ever heard the scripture that says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you? Hidden, what does that mean? Like I've planted your words, your truth into my heart. Well, how do you get it there? Yeah. Right here. This is, the, uh, this is the funnel that leads to the heart, okay? That causes, you know, belief and action, okay? But you, you, you get it in here by memorizing it. What it, Christians, what if you memorize 1 Corinthians 15, 57? Oh, it's like I've got that one. When's the last time you said it? I mean, said it. And if, you, if it's too kind of like mumbo jumbo for you, say it this way. Jesus' victory has become our victory. And even better, Jesus' victory has become my victory. Can you say that with me? Jesus' victory has become my victory. Even if you don't believe it yet, let's just, let's just humor me for a second. Let's say this together. Jesus' victory has become my victory. Now, what if you got up every day and you just said that? I mean, what if you said that and you dwelt on that rather than dwelling on the tree that's in the middle of the garden? the seed of doubt about who God is and how much he loves you. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, I've just been watching. I've been reading. I've been learning. I've been hearing. I've been doing. It's like, no, no. What, what if you start here, though, and you just allow this one to really sink in? Jesus' victory has become my victory. Thanks be to God. He has given us the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. That victory is mine. I don't care what translation. Like, just memorize that. Plant it. Allow that to be a seed of assurance. And I'm telling you, this pastor is here to tell you that that's all it took for me. I finally settled this one. And it's a little embarrassing to think that I was as old as I was being in ministry, you know, and finally just getting a hold of this one. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. This becomes a filter. It becomes a grid. Either you're going to filter it through the dirty, nasty um, seeds of doubt that are plaguing your brain, or you're going to uh, plant intentionally a new seed. I mean, just te like test. Test it. Yeah. Try it. You don't even have to fully believe it to try it. Did you know? Did you know? that every single one of the disciples didn't fully believe in who Jesus really was before they started following him? Did you know that? You can follow Jesus before you believe in Jesus. He didn't say, 
hey, hey, Peter, Andrew, James, John, hey guys, y'all, y'all come believe in me. Believe in all my words and all my teachings and everything I've ever, that, that I'm ever gonna say. Just believe in me completely and then I'll make you fishers of men. No, he just said, come follow me. Just come see for yourself. Come see for yourself. Give it a try. Try following this way. So Christians, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you, this is the question I want you to consider, okay? Just talking to those of you who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Why, why would I, ask yourself this question, why would I continue to live in defeat when I have been given the victory? That is a good question. Why? Because this happens all the time. You look around and you watch people who have gone through unbelievable things, and I get it. Like as a pastor, I'm thinking, I don't know how they're going to recover from this, except for the fact that they love Jesus. Like that's the only thing I can imagine that would get them through this season is their hope in Jesus. And so because of that though, because of that, like why would we not live in victory? Why do we live so defeated, so angry, so against everything and everybody? Why why are you surprised when stuff happens. Like, like it hurts. It, we, we grieve. There's nothing wrong with that. But man, we don't have to live defeated because of those things. We've been given the victory. We know the end of the story. Come on. And then if you're not a Christian, this is, this, again, this is just what I would, I encourage you to consider this. I'm not telling you to believe something right now. I'm just, if it's true, just consider the possibility. If Jesus really is offering me his victory, why would I not receive it? I mean, you know, well, I just got some questions. You know, I've got something. It's like, great. You can, you'll continue having questions. I assure you. You want a seat of assurance? That's one. You'll always have questions. <laughs> you will never get those figured out. I don't care who you listen to or how many books you read or how smart you are. That, there's always going to be questions because I got them. But I've settled the Jesus question. And so if it's true, if it's possibly true that Jesus really is offering me this victory, why, would, why in the world would I not receive it? Heavenly Father, I, I just want to ask that you would fill us with, with wisdom from the things that we've heard today. Things from your word. Things that we, that we, I think most of us would shake our heads and say, I believe that's true. Give us the wisdom to actually hear the truth in what has been spoken today. The truth of it. Strip off everything that's not and get rid of that. But just help us to see the truth, to dwell on that, and then to act on it. Give us the courage to act on it, to live our lives in victory. The victory that we have received because of Jesus. That's what we say we believe goodness, what a difference it would make in our community, in our world, if Christians, just Christians would begin to live as if that's really true. God, give us, give us boldness. Give us that assurance so that we can glorify you better in Jesus' name. Let me just ask for you to keep your heads bowed, if you would. And I, I just want to speak to those maybe listening online or maybe in the room. And you're in a place where, where you, 
you've just not made that decision. You, you don't know. You haven't settled this one in your heart. I, I, can I just invite you to maybe step across that line today? And maybe it's one you thought you've crossed before. You thought you had given up control and put your faith in Jesus, but you really kind of hung on to it for yourself. But I, I just want to give you an opportunity to step into that life-changing relationship, reality, truth that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is your Lord. I want to invite you into that relationship, to step into that for the first time. And if that's you, if that's what's in your heart, I just want to invite you right now. I'm, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But if you would, nobody, nobody looking around. We're not going to do, I promise we're not going to come get you and pull you from your seat and take you behind a dark curtain somewhere. We are not that church, I promise. If you would just slip your hand up just so that I can see and I want to specifically pray with you. If you'll just let me know if you've made that decision in your heart. Just an outward sign of saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. God bless you. It's a difficult decision to make, but it's the best decision you'll ever make. Now, let me invite you to just pray along with me something like this. Heavenly Father, I'm going to let go today. I'm giving you control. I don't have all my questions answered, and I have a lot of things that I doubt. But I'm settling this today. That Jesus has given me the victory. And I receive it. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And I believe His name is Jesus. So I ask that you fill me with your Spirit. Change me from the inside out. And be the Lord of my life in the saving name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Hey guys, would you give it up for those of you who made that decision? Would you just round of applause? I'm telling you, best day of your life. Thank you guys. Praise the Lord.